surgeons keep our hearts beating. They do the amazing, help save lives, and so can you. Your CSL Plasma donation can help create 24 critical life-saving medicines that can give Grandpa the chance for his heart to swell when he meets his new grandson or give a bride the chance for her heart to skip a beat on her wedding day. Every plasma donation helps more than you know. Do the amazing. Help save lives. Donate today at your local CSL Plasma Center and be rewarded for your generosity. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk About It. This is Taylor, your host, and today we are going to get into anxiety. And I know we've talked about anxiety before on the podcast, but today we're going to really talk about how you can own that anxiety and not let it take over um, your day-to-day, your feelings, your behaviors, your mind. Um, And so I'm super excited today. We're going to be talking with Julian Brass, who's the founder and former CEO of award-winning Canadian media company. Company Notable, a front-running online brand dedicated to driven young professionals. And his first battle with anxiety began when he started this whole endeavor of Notable that dramatically affected his life professionally, personally, and geographically, which then helped fuel his passion to embrace his mental health challenges rather than hide behind it. And I think this is really a great story because I think it is so relatable in, in so many different ways. Um, so then just kind of Overall, he went into this ever-expanding journey of exploring natural lifestyles, um, looking into holistic health and wellness, spirituality, yoga, positive psychology. Um, He's trained and collaborated with yogis from India, rabbis and priests in Jerusalem, top medical doctors in New York City, and some of the most successful entrepreneurs in the world. Um, As an international keynote speaker, workshop facilitator, coach, teacher, healer, he aims to leave every person he connects with ready to not just own their anxiety, but to truly own their lives. And he has a new book out um, called 99 Ways to Own Your Anxiety and breaks it down really into these tips and tricks uh, into three different parts on how to own your body, how to own your mind, and how to own your soul. And I'm very excited to chat with this lovely gentleman. And um, he is actually here in Seattle. So Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being on the show and welcome to Seattle. It's so cool to be here. <laughs> yes. Um, I have to say from reading the book and from just our brief conversation before this, um, you very much are kind of like what I envisioned you to be. Like hmm. literally walked up to you and you're just like doing yoga. <laughs> <laughs> So it's um it's very nice to like meet you in person and it's been a while since I've done an in-person interview before um but I'm excited to talk a little bit more about anxiety and what kind of led you to writing this book um I'm curious if we kind of start off uh before you became more focused on anxiety and mental health you were running a media company mm-hmm. um so I'm curious if you can kind of walk us through a little bit of your your path to this book yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and it's really cool to be in Seattle. Yeah. Honestly. It's, it's like, a cool spot. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's a good vibe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just came straight from Texas. So it's quite different. Very different vibes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very different vibes. Um, all right. So growing up, I was always a very, um, you know, f- very friendly, sort of upbeat, positive mm-hmm. kid. I see that. Never had any, um, you know, any like mental health challenges whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, if anything, I was like always wanting to have too much fun. 
if that was the problem that I gave my parents. Mm. Um, That was the only concern. Uh, And I wasn't that good at school. Like that was the other concern, but nothing Mm. to do with anxiety ever. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then when I was 24 years old, which is 11 years ago, Mm. I uh, moved back home to Toronto from the States where I'd worked for Mm. a few years and I had an idea to build this media company which is called Notable. And mm-hmm. um, I started it on my own, no investors, no obviously no clients yet, no staff, no partners. Yeah. Um, it became um, one of the most popular sites for millennials in Canada eventually, but it took me a while to get there. And mm-hmm. in the first couple of years when I was doing this you know, on my own, uh, I really, really, really got afraid of the future. Because yeah. the present was so hard. Hmm. So this all of a sudden led to anxiety hmm. for the mm-hmm. first time in my life. Yeah. Right? Fear of the unknown will do that. And not having enough money to afford a good lifestyle, afford good food, even, you know, being sure that I can make my rent. Yeah. All these things coupled with the societal pressures mm-hmm. of you know, starting a business and, you know, looking like you got it all together. Yeah. Uh, it all got to me. And mm-hmm. then add to that, that I thought back then that if you want to blow off steam, you go and you get messed up with your friends. Oh yeah. You go out, you get shit faced and maybe have sex with some people to blow it off. <laughs> right. There you go. <laughs> and in the end, what happens? You just feel worse. Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, so, so that was my life for a while. Mm-hmm. And um, one day I stumbled into a yoga studio, I had a crush on this girl mm-hmm. and she kept saying no to any kind of conventional date idea you can think of. Dinner, no. Yeah. Drinks, no. Coffee, no. But hey, I do yoga. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yoga? I'm like, <laughs> Who does yoga? I thought to myself 11 years ago. Yeah. And today you, you come and meet me and I'm like literally doing poses, just <laughs> Just like chilling on the sidewalk doing poses. I yep, figured, yep. Look, look at how beautiful this area is. <laughs> and the air is nice and clean. There's flowers. Let me yes. add to it and I'll do a little yoga. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, it was it was my first time in a studio and I found mm-hmm. this like, it was 89 minutes of literally hell, yeah. but there was one minute of euphoric bliss in mm-hmm. the 100 degree Fahrenheit plus Bikram yoga class. Oh, you did the hot yoga. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. And I was at the night before partying with my friends till about five and this started at like nine. I really thought yoga was like light stretching. So I was like, yeah, I'm just going to have a fun Saturday night out. You were in for such a rude awakening. <laughs> oh, it was so rough. The only thing that kept me there is my ego. Yeah. You know, and like not wanting to look like I wimped out in front of her. Mm-hmm. That's very so. self-aware of you. Yeah. Well, in hindsight. <laughs> yeah. It, I'm like, actually in the moment, you probably didn't think about it like that. In the moment, I was like, oh, I just, you know, just how does she look so good mm-hmm. doing this? And I'm like dying. It smells like vodka on my mat. Yeah. Yeah. So um, anyways, that all sort of culminated Mm -hmm. to a degree with this idea that I found this one minute of bliss in the studio Mm -hmm. that I had never known. And all of a sudden I thought to myself, hey, maybe there's a natural way to get out of this, to get Mm -hmm. out of this anxiety rut that I feel way too often. And my life wasn't like a full, you know, straight line up to the right where it was like, I got it all figured out now, but I did quote unquote, see the light. Hmm. And I realized that there is a better way for me to live than the way that I'm living. And I started to do the work and do more to be a a, a personal growth-oriented human. Yeah. 
And slowly that would help me figure out, you know, mm-hmm. how to how to get out of that anxiety rut because the anxiety would lead to a little bit of depression. Sometimes I wouldn't go out for two or three days at a time. I had no staff or clients back then. There was like no need for me to go yeah. out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And pretty isolated. Totally. So anyway, so, so that was like kind of my story at the beginning, but mm-hmm. slowly, 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 I started to figure out how to look at the energy of anxiety in a different way and to start to almost isolate it and see it. Oh, wow. Okay. When I do this, this, and this, Mm -hmm. it's more negative and it's more extreme. But when I do this, this, and this, my anxiety isn't quite as overbearing Mm -hmm. and I can actually like see it for what it is, this force of energy. And now I can use that energy for my, to my advantage. Mm -hmm. And that all of a sudden became my secret edge in building my old media company. Hmm. And it was funny because in 2008, when I started that business, it was during the time when like blogs were kind of just like coming out. Yeah. You know, online video was like starting to get popular. And there were so many people in the Canadian market and of course the American, every market, but like mm-hmm. I can tell you about Canada because I was there, they were all starting blogs. And yeah. I hate to say it, but many of them failed. Mm-hmm. Mine didn't. And I really believe a key reason was because of my anxiety. It led me to be more resourceful, more creative, and just straight up have a harder work ethic than other people. Yeah. And it went on to become a really popular, successful company. <laughs> so uh, I really think anxiety is like the best thing we can have. And us mm-hmm. anxious people have a true gift. Like I mm-hmm. really believe this is our yeah. gift. This is our secret edge to life. Mm-hmm. But we need to own. We need to own the relationship rather mm-hmm. than being owned by it. Yes, and. A lot of what you're saying too reminds me of two kind of notions that we've talked about on the podcast before. And um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with The Untethered Soul. Mm, I love that book. Yeah. Um, This notion of like your inner roommate and Mm. acknowledging that your anxiety, like being the observer of your anxiety and not letting your anxiety own you, um, not letting that anxiety or that emotion drive the car, like keeping it in the backseat and remaining in control of it. Um, mm. But I think it's interesting because I think so many people who are entrepreneurs and who start their own companies, um, they do have such this like intense work ethic. And oftentimes I find that it's kind of based in this like fear of like, if I'm going to fail. Right. And a lot of that fear, I think, is piggybacked off of anxiety, mm-hmm. but that the people who become successful, I suppose, use that anxiety to, what would you say? How, yeah. would, how did you use your anxiety? Well, so the, the, the trick is that it needs to be facilitative. So it needs to be mm-hmm. a facilitating anxiety, right? Like I always like to look at pro athletes or musicians mm-hmm. and you know, they're, they're out there performing doing their mm-hmm. thing, right? Like when a pro basketball player is about to get on the court, like, you know, he's in the change room, like jumping up and down, like probably slapping mm-hmm. his chest, getting like, you know, in the zone, right? Same with hockey players. We see it during the anthem. Same mm-hmm. with musicians. You know, it's like people get pumped up, yeah. so to speak. The trick is to be able to go into that state in healthy mm-hmm. doses and all of that state become like a way of being. Hmm. Because when it becomes a way of being, it's taking a real toll on the body. Totally. Right. And I was in that, that, that world, that zone for a while. So when the anxiety went from like debilitating and I'm not going outside for a couple of days at a time to, okay, I'm in the zone. I'm in the zone. I'm in the zone. I'm always in the zone. Mm-hmm. 
that was equally really bad for me. Yeah, that sounds exhausting. It is exhausting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that in and of itself takes a different toll on your mental health than being afraid to go out. So say social anxiety is one thing, but then mm-hmm. that like always on is a whole nether thing. Mm-hmm. Whole other thing, excuse me. So the key is to know how to go in, let's say if you, if you want to be in that zone, but but not to live there, right? Like if, Le- yeah. if LeBron James was always like on the court, LeBron James, there's no way he would last so many seasons. So I think that is a fantastic way to look at it because when you think about people who are running their own companies and people who are entrepreneurs, they are always on and it's always that the work never ends and that you're always working. But I don't think that that's sustainable. Yeah, I'm with you. And if we take this athlete analogy a step further, Mm -hmm. an athlete, yourself and me could always say, you know, my physical health could be better. You know, if we, if we, if we mm-hmm. really were like obsessed, we could mm-hmm. always be trying to get another rep, you know, not watching TV sitting down, but instead like doing jumping jacks, right? Yes. We could like always be, you know, phone calls could always be walking meetings, mm-hmm. you know, sitting down doing this podcast. That would be like yesterday's news. We'd be on the go right now. Yeah. Like if we were obsessed. Mm-hmm. So, and this is the first time I've ever came up with this analogy in my life, but, but That's I, fantastic. You, you guided me. Thank you. <laughs> why, why as an entrepreneur is it almost mm-hmm. commonplace to be always on, but as a mm-hmm. pro athlete, one who is relying much more on the body and their physical health, mm-hmm. they have to give themselves times to recharge. Yeah. Right? So I think it's so integral that entrepreneurs and creators, mm-hmm. while, yeah, there's always something more that they could do, Mm-hmm. They need to know how to put that cap on their performance in any given time, any given day. Yeah, and I think it it's important to piggyback that with looking at your physical health as, or looking at your mental health as you would your physical health. And that I think that's a, a big thing that people... People tend to prioritize physical health. And I think that's why, you know, in this analogy here with the athletes that they literally have to do those things. And people would point that out and be like, oh my God, like just sit down and watch TV. Stop doing squats while you watch the show. Like this is ridiculous. Um, But when people are doing things internally, it's a lot more difficult to like point that out. And I think when you do start to look at your mental health as you would your physical health and take care of that, um, that you would be doing things like giving yourself breaks and really looking at that anxiety and not, you know, checking in with your self care so that you don't get to this place of just like total burnout and total isolation. Um, because it's, I, I think it can happen quite quickly. Yeah, it can. And it takes such tremendous self-control mm-hmm. to not be always on, even when you're not supposed to be working. Yeah. Like, let me give you an example. Okay, I just flew in from Texas mm-hmm. and I went to the hotel room. I took a 20-minute uh, like nap. Yeah. And then I hopped in the shower. And tomorrow morning I'm on Fox. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of um, speaking points that I have. Yeah. Okay? If you understand that my points will actually be on uh, on, on, on the screen. So on mm. live, they're going to be on. And uh, the producers already know what they are. So therefore, I need to memorize what my five key speaking points are. Mm. I found myself in the shower literally going over the acronym that I've created yeah. to remember. And then I was like, dude, you're not even in the shower. Okay, like you need to give yourself some time right now. Mm-hmm. So I so so I checked in, right? And yeah. I think that's where anxiety and self control, uh, and really, if you wanted to, to kind of bring it all into one thing, I would call it mindfulness. That's totally what I was just about to say. That there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. amazing. Yeah, because mindfulness 
is the thing mm-hmm. that allows us to check in. Yeah. Right. That's like that radar, that snap. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. geez, Julian. Okay, hold on, buddy. Time out. Mm-hmm. Like you're in the shower. This five minute, yeah. like recharge will be really good for you. Totally. It's like be here, be present. Totally. Be mm-hmm. here now. As yeah. my boy Nako says. <laughs> I don't know who that is. He's a great musician. <laughs> Nice. Was I that think, a little laugh snort I just um, heard? Sometimes that happens. Okay. <laughs> we're just gonna My sister too. We'll just keep going. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to ignore that. Um, Don't worry. If I get allergic to the cat, it'll happen to me too. <laughs> yes, right? I'm just... We're waiting for that. Lily is uh, in the bedroom, but, you know, I learned... She might <laughs> True. She might. <laughs> she might. <laughs> It's been like a while since I've had someone over that I don't know. So usually I always warn people in advance, but I don't know. We're doing good so far. All right. So we're going to take a short break here. I want to share with you guys one of my favorite products that I literally use all the time. I'm always asked what kind of natural deodorants I like. And anytime someone asks me what I use and I say this company, people are like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I've heard of them. And I'm like, yeah, you need to try them out. So I want to share with you guys native, um, who they use it's natural deodorant. Okay. So if you're looking for a product without aluminum, um, it's free of parabens, uh, filled with ingredients from nature, like coconut oil, shea butter, all my favorite stuff. Honestly, no matter how hot things are getting, Native has got you covered. My favorite scent is the coconut and vanilla, and I even have a little travel guy of it that I bring with me. It's ingredients that you know and that you can trust, and people honestly love it like me because I use it all the time. So honestly, highly recommend you guys check them out. So you guys can get 20% off your first purchase if you visit nativedeodorant.com and use promo code Taylor during checkout. Again, that's 20% off your first purchase at nativedeodorant.com with promo code Taylor. Highly recommend it. Get yourself some natural deodorant so that you're good to go. <laughs> all right. So we, we can get back to the show, but I needed to share that. Um, but as we talk about all of these, you know, kind of analogies and whatnot, we are talking about the body. And that's kind of, you broke up how to own your anxiety into these three different categories, kind of, of our bodies, um, our mind, and our soul. And I'm wondering if we could kind of start off a little bit going into um, some of the points that you made about owning your anxiety within your body. Sure. Um, and I'm really also just kind of curious how you decided to break it up that way. I mean, it makes logical sense to me, but I'm curious if there was other thought behind that. Definitely. So I'm a real believer that the body is the gateway to the mind. Mm-hmm. And without physical health, it's going to be a lot harder to really have positive mental health. Mm-hmm. It is doable. Yeah. That's like the holy grail. Yeah. You know, that's like where, you know, the, the most evolved human mm-hmm. can be. But the rest of us average people, the physical health really becomes a gateway and a vehicle to, mm-hmm. to, to supreme mental health. Totally. Just like for you with going to yoga and yeah. then having that it. minute. You got mm-hmm. it. Totally. Yep. And then from a spiritual perspective, why in the book there's own your soul. So there's own your body, own your mind, and own your soul. The spirituality, when we can tap into true spirituality, and it doesn't mean, you know, a lot of people listening, I'm sure, have a trouble perhaps um, distinguishing between, you know, religion and being a Mm -hmm. religious person or being a spiritual person. They're very different. Super. A religious person can be spiritual, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But a spiritual person doesn't need to be religious. Yeah. It's about having faith in something greater than ourselves, mm-hmm. having belief in something bigger than us, Yeah. right? And the reason why there is you know, an emphasis on own your soul 
that because when we can tap into that higher power and that higher mm-hmm. purpose, all of a sudden it becomes like this, it becomes like we're holding the universe's hand hmm. at all times. So when the fear builds up, right? When we're feeling really anxious, when we're feeling like the world is just so much bigger than we are, when mm-hmm. we can hold on to you know the hand of the universe and realize that we are all connected and that we're here for a reason and that we're mm-hmm. doing something purposeful, it's a lot easier to get into a place of, okay, I'm ready to control my anxiety. I can now own it. Right. So, mm-hmm. and that, that, that's really the inspiration. So, own your body, which is what the book starts with, was very intentional because mm-hmm. the body's the easiest place to access. Yeah. So, when we can learn how to access the body again, now we're in a place mm-hmm. where we can start to really get into the more own your mind, own your soul. Yeah. And I think the the body piece is much more tangible for people to start off doing. Totally. Um, and unfortunately, more often, people are much more focused on on their bodies and that kind of physical health sure. than they are mental health too. So yeah. it, it is a nice little gateway drug to mm-hmm. being invested <laughs> in personal growth. <laughs> totally. And yeah. speaking of that gateway drug, I think what happens to a lot of people that are really into like their physical health, mm-hmm. what happens is like, yeah, they achieve that awesome body yeah. and they get in that flow of like, you know, getting their sweat on four mm-hmm. to seven times a week and like they're, they're living yeah. that life. And then they get injured. Mm-hmm. And I remember when that happened to me years yeah. ago, I was like so in the physical health mm-hmm. zone. I was like, you know, doing the gym thing, doing the fitness class thing. And I was like, really? Like, I, if you just saw me on like a picture, you'd be like, damn, that guy's in great shape. Mm-hmm. But when I got injured, yeah. I no longer had those endorphins and that dopamine being released on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn, <laughs> Life is hard, man. Yeah. What's the point? What am I doing here? Oh my, yeah. right? Yeah. And I realized, shit, Julian, you may have been working on your body all this time, mm-hmm. but your mind is flabby. Yeah. And that's the trick. We need to, we, I believe that we need to get to a place, Taylor, where our mind is so rock solid. Like mm-hmm. picture like an eight pack on your, you know, mid region yeah. mm-hmm. where your mind is like that eight pack. It's so rock solid that no matter what happens around us, Mm-hmm. or even inside of us, yeah. we are still going to be in a good place. Yeah. And I mean, I have to say, I think for me, that has always been a big red flag, not only in friendships, but in dating as well. When I see someone who is so focused on their outer appearance and is so focused on like, got to go to the gym, got to go to the gym, got to go to the gym, like got to get my gym bod, like mm-hmm. got to get my beach bod. Yeah. Um, that to me, that is such a red flag because I think... Again, everything in kind of moderation that when you're so extreme on one end with something that a lot of other things are now falling, you know, to the back burner that oftentimes need a lot of attention. Totally. Um, and so, yeah, I think that is such a good point to think about like, yeah, if you were to get injured right now and you weren't able to like go to the gym or like go to that class, like where would you be at mentally then? Yeah. How would you then cope with that? And I think a lot of people start using going to the gym and getting physically fit as a form of coping with depression or anxiety or stress or whatever it is that, that they're going through. Um, and again, it, it's not that it's not a good coping skill because it totally can be, but I think use like 
being intentional about it being a gateway drug to your you emotions and you your mental it. health. Yeah, because it is so healthy. It is a great yeah. thing for people to do. Obviously, there's so much research out there that mm-hmm. shows like, you know, exercise is great for on so many levels. Yeah. But we can't use that as our like as, as our medicine only mm-hmm. because if yeah. one day we're not able to and hey, yeah. everyone listening, one day you're not going to be able yeah. to. Yeah. So then what? Yeah. Okay, and so on the whole body section, you list several things, and a few of them really stuck out to me that I wanted to touch on. So of those were caffeine, caffeine being fuel for anxiety, um, once a day eating in in peace, Mm -hmm. um, chewing slower, Mm -hmm. and practicing Mm -hmm. self-touch. So I think it'd be really cool to just kind of briefly go over some of those. Um, And I think caffeine really stuck out to me because most people drink caffeine every day at at least once a day. Right. Yeah. And it's, it makes sense that it would be fuel for anxiety because it literally like people get jittery and it's literally a drug that I don't think people actually think of as a drug. Totally. Yeah. And I'm curious why that, why that one stuck out for you. Yeah. Um, well, what's crazy is that in the world of anxiety dif- disorders, there's actually one called caffeine-related or caffeine-induced mm. anxiety oh, yeah, disorder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah. it's like caffeine is literally it, – it is so prevalent that it has its own classification yeah. mm-hmm. in terms of the anxiety disorder world. Yeah. We got but, the DSM right over there. We could pull it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's wild. Yeah. It's, it's mm-hmm. wild. So – um I don't think that every person who has anxiety, like 100% needs to give up caffeine. Mm-hmm. I'm, that's, not, that's not the claim. Although yeah. in the book, it does say quit or reduce coffee. Mm-hmm. It's bold. Yeah. If somebody really wants to put themselves in the driver's seat of being able to change mm-hmm. their relationship with anxiety and being able to understand where it's coming from and what spikes it, mm-hmm. one of the easiest ways to rip off the peels so to speak yeah. like of the onion if the inside of you is the center of that onion mm-hmm. if you want to get to it you can rip off all these peels or you can like you know like like saw through a whole bunch at a time and giving up caffeine is a quicker way to figure out like what's going down inside mm-hmm. of you the real you not the caffeinated you yeah. right so that's a really easy way to like get mm-hmm. into it. I mean, if you want to go a step further, I know a lot of your listeners are, are into wellness and health. Yeah. It's like an isolation diet type of idea. Isolation yeah. diet, right? You give up like anything that might be a suspect food mm-hmm. and then you slowly add one at a time mm-hmm. every like week or two weeks and you see like, did it you know spike up my digestion? Mm-hmm. Did it hurt me in some way? Whatever, whatever. Yeah. Same idea with this. If you want to really understand where's my anxiety coming from, mm-hmm. let's give up the biggest culprits, the biggest suspects. True. Caffeine would be one of them. That makes a lot of sense. And yeah, for me, I've just in my own kind of like health food journey, um, I've done a lot more of like slowly introducing new, good, delicious, healthy foods. And then with with each introduction kind of phasing out something mm, else that makes um, sense. so that it's not like a a cold cut kind of thing and it doesn't feel like i'm um what's the word so that it doesn't feel like i'm depriving yes depriving depriving myself yeah um 
Because I think that's a large part of what like causes diets to fail. Mm -hmm. um, It's that sense of depriving yourself. Um, And it's, I I don't think it's nice to do to your body in that way either. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I know you mean. Yeah. Um, With caffeine, I think another key thing is to understand what actions in your life Mm -hmm. create anxiety. Yeah. So for example, most people are petrified of public speaking. Yes. Most people also, especially anxiety prone people, have some elevated anxiety when it comes to travel. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. People ask me about anxiety travel all the Is that time. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Travel anxiety. I said anxiety travel. Either way. You I guys got, get the picture. We get it. <laughs> I got you. Um, yeah. So, you know, why not? even mm-hmm. put parameters on your life to say that like, if I'm going to be speaking in public today or I'm going to be traveling, maybe give up caffeine on those days. Yeah. Maybe it's not cold turkey, right? But it's like, if it's yeah. going to be an anxiety provoking day, mm-hmm. if you've got even a big meeting with your boss, your top yeah. client coming up and you want to be in control of all of your emotions and all of your energy, mm-hmm. maybe you don't have coffee until after the meeting. Yeah. It's little things like mm-hmm. that, right? Just really understanding where, where we're at and knowing how to hack ourselves. Yeah. And I think I... A few weeks ago, I talked about this on my, I did like a little Instagram story rant on this, but I think so often on those kinds of days where you have a big meeting or you have to speak publicly, you're, you're experiencing high anxiety to where you want to Mm self-soothe and you think that that's a form of self care, mm-hmm. so so you're gonna go buy that coffee right. because you're you're thinking that's what's gonna soothe and like calm your nerves. Yeah. Um, when really it's actually just going to uh, increase that and um, perhaps even evoke it much stronger than it would have been present without it. But it feels like it's going to be this self soothing thing, and sure. that um, sometimes the things that we think our self-care are actually us just attempting to self-soothe, which unfortunately sometimes actually just leads to self-sabotage. Absolutely. Much like going for, you know, quote unquote, a big night out. Yep. Yeah. You you might feel good in the moment, but the next three days are going to be a heck of a lot harder. Yes. Just when you were going for that big night out to try to recuperate and give yourself some Mm self-love, you're actually making everything way more challenging. Definitely. Right? So we got to know how to self-soothe in a very sustainable, healthy way. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and to kind of piggyback on that, the, I, I really appreciated that you had a section on once a day eating in peace. Mm. And I've talked on the podcast before about kind of my, I don't, I don't really have a routine, but the way that I operate when I do work that I'm not, I'm not the kind of person that can work like 16 hours straight or even really like eight hours straight. For me, it's like, I, I will do emails for about two hours, I'll take a break. I'll have a call or a recording, I'll take a break. And usually those breaks are centered around food and having a meal. And oftentimes it is me by myself. And I'll sit out on the balcony with Lil, who's over here. Um, Lil and I will sit out on the balcony I'll use some stuff in the garden and I'll just sit out there and I'm like, I'm not on my phone. I'm not like... I'm not on a call. I'm not on my laptop. It's just me sitting out here, listening to the birds, watching cars drive by, people watching, (laughs) and just like having a moment to myself. And it does make such a difference with my anxiety the rest of the workday. Mm -hmm. So it's beautiful. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're, we're so overstimulated mm-hmm. all the time, all the time. Yeah. We're connected. We're, we're never coming back to ourselves, mm-hmm. right? It's like, we're basically, it's crazy that this happened, but basically we are looking for one distraction and then another distraction and then another, another distraction. We don't just come back to ourselves ever, Mm -hmm. right? We got to slow down. So much anxiety is being created because we're always thinking about what's next. We're Mm -hmm. always thinking about the future, Totally, right? If, if someone can actually go right into the present moment, like truly zone in Mm -hmm. with laser sharp, you know, yogi style meditation mm-hmm. like almost at that levitation yeah mode there's no room for anxiety if you're truly in that zone and you're in the moment mm-hmm. it's like it's it's just not going to be there because you're 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 not going to be sitting there thinking about how anxious you're going to be you're, you're going to be present to i am walking yeah. i am walking i am walking i am washing the dishes i am washing the dishes i am washing the dishes or I am chewing my food. Yeah. I am chewing my food. Mm-hmm. I am grateful for my food. Yeah. Thank you for my food, right? Yeah. And when you zone in, it's amazing how you can really start to see mm-hmm. and and taste yeah. those different flavor notes, right? Like we could use sipping wine as mm-hmm. such a good example, right? If you go for a wine yeah. tasting, mm-hmm. the sommelier is like, you know, let's talk about what notes you feel right now. Yeah. Oh, yes. Do you sense the chocolate or the cinnamon or the black cherry? (laughs) Okay. They go in. I wish you guys could have seen all the hand movements and the facial expressions (laughs) that went along with that. (laughs) Yeah, I save them for the right moments. So, you know, we, it's the same idea. We take, we take that, that one day, one day, one meal, excuse me, Mm. every day to eat in peace. Yeah. Then, we give ourselves that moment to come back. Like mm-hmm. how you said, you go on the balcony, you don't like have your phone yeah. out. Like you're 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 disconnecting mm-hmm. from outside to reconnect with inside, right? That was and beautiful. We need to do that. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, I mean, that goes to another place, which is self touch. Mm-hmm. Another part of the book. Yeah. And that, that was a good one. Self-touch, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's really important. And something that I do when I'm working with people like in mm-hmm. workshops or one-to-one, if they say, you know, I'm, I'm like I'm feeling pretty anxious, mm-hmm. I'll go, okay, keep telling me how anxious you feel as you tickle your forearm with your, with, your, with your other hand, okay? And then as they're telling me, I'll go, do you feel your forearm that's being tickled right now? Keep talking. Do you feel it? And they're pretty much always, 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 always like, no, I hardly feel anything. Mm-hmm. Okay, now stop talking for a second mm-hmm. and just take your mental resources and focus completely on how your forearm feels as you touch it. Mm-hmm. And as you do that, breathe into your belly from your nose. Just keep going. Stay there, stay there, stay there. After one or two breaths, Mm-hmm. they always look up at me with this like sign of like, I saw the light just now. Yeah. Oh my God. That was, that was just me in my mind, nothing else. And my physical touch as well. Yeah. And that's where the power is. And that's why, you know, physical touch as well. Self-touch mm-hmm. is so key Yeah. because when we start to get into this, this idea that like, whoa, I can take my mind and my concentration where I choose to take it. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, if our anxiety is sky high and we choose to not let it stay there, yeah. the awakening has occurred. 
Mm-hmm. And now from the awakening perspective, it's like, okay, so now what am I going to do Yeah. now that I know it's possible? Yeah. And I think just that part can be scary too, though, because then it's like, oh, wait, shit, now I do actually have control over this. And now I know I can do something. But like, are you going to hold yourself to that? And sure. are you actually going to put that into action? Totally. Um, yeah. And I think for me, reading through like the self-touch part, I was just like the whole time I was just like, well, yeah, like masturbation, like that relieves a lot of anxiety mm-hmm. and plays a huge part with, I think, getting to know your body and allowing yourself to feel pleasure that oftentimes as we're going just through about the day, it is all about distraction, 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 not to mention all the like shame and messages, all the shame messages that you get about masturbating, especially as a woman. Um, but where that can be so impactful for not just your body, but like your mind and your soul. Yeah. 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 I thought, I thought that was very important to have the self-touch in there because I've, I've noticed that people find self-touch is not a topic that you hear about mainstream and that a lot of people don't necessarily talk about. And I think... For me, even as an experience, it's, you can literally feel that like anxiety just release. Mm. And it's like a big, to me, it's like, if you want to go out and, you know, go on a binge with your girlfriends and go get wasted as a distraction to like soothe and sabotage, (laughs) thinking you're soothing that anxiety, I think doing something like having a night in and like exploring your body and having that like me time, um, could be such a more productive, fulfilling way to release that anxiety. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. I think if uh, if it feels good, mm-hmm. then, and you're not hurting anyone, yeah. including yourself, yeah. then why not? You know, one person may may really get off, so to speak. <laughs> good pun there. By having a romantic night with themselves. Yeah. Another person might, you know, get off by, uh, you know, making that epic smoothie bowl mm-hmm. and like, yeah. you know, putting their feet up and their comfy sweatpants on and mm-hmm. like, you know, going to town with like that freshly, yeah. freshly grated coconut on top, <laughs> which would be my <laughs> jam because I love coconut. Because he was just talking about how much he loved coconut <laughs> before we recorded this episode. Totally. I, I really think, I really think just, just to, you know, add some value, I think, I think the common denominator that we're both talking about is... Mm-hmm. Finding the thing that will allow you to disconnect mm-hmm. so you can come back to yourself and do something that makes you feel good, makes you feel loved, makes you yeah. feel appreciated, you know, that you can give gratitude for. Totally. All these things because, you know, all these things, gratitude, love, appreciation, it's, it's these are like anxiety's enemy, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So do those things, get into it, enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I want to kind of move forward a little bit to talking about like mind and soul as yeah, you, as you segue that a little bit for me. Um, and I'm curious if in your journey with kind of identifying these ways to own your anxiety, if for you therapy was an outlet to explore that component of the mind or, and I guess the soul too. Yeah. 
You know, to tell you the truth, I didn't see a therapist um, in my younger years mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. Uh, I found myself in the self-help section of the bookstore. Mm-hmm. That was like my therapist. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I just, for whatever reason, it didn't even occur to me to go yeah. and seek out help. Mm-hmm. But rather what did occur to me is like, okay, the answers I'm looking for are in the bookstore. Yeah. Interestingly enough, who knows why? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and um, you know, I, I found incredible solace Mm -hmm. in the self-help section of the bookstore. In fact, so much that one day I was like, these humans have given me so much. Mm -hmm. One day I would like to be able to return the favor and pay it forward to other humans. Mm -hmm. And and in that moment, I was like, I'm going to be an author. It just hit me. (laughs) And that, that, that truth has remained for over half my life. The story that I share is when I was about 18 years old, (laughs) which is wild. Um, yeah, so then that being said, some people would greatly benefit in a way more profound way from a therapist, from a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a medical, um, mm-hmm. a, a medical professional of some capacity, um, or a coach perhaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really depends. You know, one of the things that I try to really make very, very, um, apparent and clear in the work that I do is that I'm not a licensed healthcare professional. Yeah. I share experiences mm-hmm. based on what has worked for me and my anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I also have almost 100 medical references in the book. Mm-hmm. I went through medical papers. I collaborated with different doctors and mm-hmm. healthcare professionals. However, my opinions and my thoughts, like yes, yeah. well, a lot of them are data-driven, I'm not a doctor. Yeah. So it's very important people understand that when they mm-hmm. when they read my book, when they hear me speak, yeah. right? This is what works for me. Mm-hmm. Statistically, it will probably work for most people, says the data. Yeah. But, you know, I'm not here to ever say like, you know, get off your medication and come listen yeah. to me. Anything totally. of the sort. Definitely not. The mm-hmm. first line of defense is always to start with your GP and mm-hmm. go from there. Yeah. Totally. And I mean, yeah, same goes for me. Like I'm not a doctor and I have to correct people on that sometimes too because they're like, oh yeah, like you're a psychologist. I'm like, nope, not a psychologist. (laughs) I'm a therapist. I'm a counselor. Um, Being clear about that I think is really important. Um, And yeah, I I think it's, you really took autonomy on healing yourself. And it sounds like you felt like you had the, the wherewithal and the tools to seek that on your own. And Mm -hmm. I think sometimes for people when therapy becomes an option is where you feel like the tools aren't working or you feel like you don't have the resources um, for that kind of support. Um, And so that's very fitting that you would find it in books and then have that moment of wanting to give that back and, and do that. Um, uh, Another piece that you spoke about kind of within the mind um, that I thought was kind of along the lines of what we spoke about with the body of um, being very mindful was when you're rushing, don't email or text. Mm -hmm. And I think even talking about all the distraction and whatnot that we seek out and experience every day that, you know, so often we even have like working lunches, right? And, you know, you're getting your Uber, but you're sending an email or all these different things. And when I read that, I was like, yeah, I do, I gotta stop that. (laughs) Like I gotta just be where I am. And oftentimes when I am rushing and I'm sending that, um, email or that text, something's missing, Mm -hmm. something's not coming out right. And it makes me feel way less 
clear. Yeah. I'm so glad you just brought this one up, Taylor, to be honest, because yeah. a lot of people, when they read this book, they like skip over some of the ones that seem like so like, oh, obviously. Yeah. Right? They're looking for the way more like high level, deep, oh my God, that's a breakthrough mm-hmm. concept. Don't get me wrong. Some of them <laughs> may, might be breakthrough. I don't want to yeah. take, you know, discredit my, yes. my, myself. I'll take the, the kudos. Yes. But I love what you just said because imagine you're rushing. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're rushing, you're rushing, you're rushing. You already got that negative self-talk conversation going yeah. on. It's probably something like, why is my life so hard? Why is there never enough time? Why did I decide to push that extra 10 minutes in the shower? Mm-hmm. You know, why did I sleep in that extra 15 minutes? Yeah. Whatever. There's always something. And then we go into that Uber or we like rush and we jaywalk as we're put, our head is down and we're looking at our phone. Whatever it is that we're doing, we're we are not giving ourselves a chance to recenter. Instead, we're just mm-hmm. we're just continuing and continuing and continuing. Yeah. And then we're adding, we're basically like, if, there, if there's a fire mm-hmm. and there's a little bit of, of there's a propane tank, mm-hmm. okay, we're just taking the propane tank and we're adding more fire to, or more, mm-hmm. more, more, more uh, gas, I should say, to yeah. the fire. Because what, that, that moment of jumping in the Uber, mm-hmm. that could have been a moment for, you know, 10 seconds, 30 seconds, a minute to yeah. just take a breath. Mm-hmm. And leave the phone in your pocket or in your purse and just been like, you know what? I'm not a call center operator. This can wait a moment, mm-hmm. right? That yeah. DM on my Insta can wait. That responsiveness that I feel, the need to get back to people in real time mm-hmm. when I'm going to comment, that yeah. can wait. I can't tell you the difference that I feel in my own self when I mm-hmm. take a break to hop in the Uber and just breathe before I get back to work. Yeah. You know? Or if I'm rushing, not to email and text. Instead, if I'm rushing, to focus on the walk, mm-hmm. you know? And what I love to play around with, this is kind of cool, is developing the ability to still rush. Let's say you are running late. Yeah. Rush, but can you rush mindfully? <laughs> I don't know. Can you? <laughs> Yes, you can. This yeah. is some like next level ninja stuff here when it comes yeah. to anxiety. But yes, you can. Mm-hmm. You can rush and you can still focus your breath from your nose to your belly. You can still mm-hmm. give gratitude. Yeah. This is part of, 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 my, of my whole um, methodology. Yeah. You can still give gratitude. You can still smile even though you don't feel like smiling because you know that it will mm-hmm. reduce the stress response. Yeah. All these things can still happen as you trek through the airport or mm-hmm. as you head to that meeting. It yeah. is possible. <laughs> I will see how that goes this Friday when I'm traveling. <laughs> I will attempt to do that mindfully. No. But I, I do like kind of give myself a little bit, bit of, a little bit of a mental break when I do travel because part of me feels like I have the excuse to be disconnected right. because it's like, sorry, like I have to catch a flight today, yeah. but it's like, you know, yeah, I'm not going to stress myself out about responding to this email. Like yeah. it can wait, I'm traveling. Yeah, totally. But totally. I will attempt, if I am rushing, I will attempt to do that mindfully. Look, nothing nothing beats giving yourself an extra half an hour, an hour. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I'm saying if you're stuck in the rush, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 And <laughs> this is my favorite part that came up when I was in the mind section of the book um, was dating smarter. Mm. And I don't know if I'm allowed to ask you this. And if you don't want to answer, you don't have to answer. Um, but you also, you've like recently had a date, right? Yeah, totally. And so I'm curious if you can share, if you're comfortable, what dating smarter looks like for you. Yeah, for sure. Good question. <laughs> <laughs> so dating smarter. Uh, 
I think that a lot of dating culture mm-hmm. puts a t- it puts pressure. Oh, it's so much pressure, right, on ourselves. Mm-hmm. We go in with all these expectations of ourselves, of the date, of how it should be, how it should feel, mm-hmm. what should happen after. Yep. And the invitation that mm-hmm. I share in this book is that even when it comes to dating. If we look at it as nothing more than an opportunity to have a genuine human connection yeah. with another human, mm-hmm. releasing all thoughts about what the future may hold with this person or for yourself and your status. Yeah. And literally, you see, because when we do that, right, we, we, we know now that anxiety often lives in fear of the unknown, mm-hmm. right? In totally. the unknown. So even think about dating for a second. Mm-hmm. Just thinking about what's going to happen next could also create anxiety around dating. It's building these new neural pathways that all of a sudden it might not be so like warm, fuzzy and fun when it comes to dating. Instead, it's like, oh man, the pressure. Mm -hmm. I just don't have the energy. Yeah. Right? So dating smarter is about looking at it for what it actually is. It is a chance to connect with another human. Mm -hmm. That's it. Enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. What are you thinking? That's it. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, I think in in some ways, I think I've definitely have had that approach. And it's funny. I think in almost every other scenario outside of dating, when it comes to meeting people, I view it that way. Mm-hmm. That I view it as just, yeah, how beautiful is this? That I have the connection with this other human and that like, Wow, it's a person I actually enjoy and that I that I like. How refreshing is this? Sure. <laughs> um, and that there 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 aren't any of those expectations or that pressure. And I think when you do get to a certain point in your life, um, I think the pressure, at least for women, in in some instances, with wanting a family and whatnot, that 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 is something out of your control that that there literally is a clock on that mm-hmm. and and many friends in their early 30s and where they do feel that pressure and it, they don't feel like they can date without without i mean i i would say security it's really a false sense of security because no one can really give you that security mm-hmm. that 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 will happen um but you know, of having a belief that that could happen with that person, that in order to even have the courage and the comfort to be vulnerable in dating, that people want upfront security. And and that's where those expectations, that's where that pressure comes from. Um, And granted, I think even when you're not in your early 30s, that 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 is still, and there's not like the biological clock ticking and and that pressure. I think that those things still exist just because being vulnerable is fucking terrifying. <laughs> yeah, and it's you know, of course, we can want to find the right person. Like that's that's so natural, mm-hmm. um, and it's yeah. honest. However, I don't think that that desire should be allowed to get in the way of mm-hmm. what the present moment of the date actually yeah. is. Yeah. Right? And I mean, I know a lot of people that want to like qualify their dates, you know, like, why are you going to be a good parent? What are your goals? What are your values? What do you mm-hmm. want? How many kids do you want? Where do you want to live? Da, 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 da. 
And like that's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot up front. It's a, for sure, for sure. Now, uh, maybe maybe it's on someone's mind and they just don't even mm-hmm. articulate it or ask a question. Yeah. It's good. It's good, and it's it's true, and it's honest. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with wanting mm-hmm. the family and wanting all these yeah. things. However, if we see that by going there in our minds, we are going to potentially take away something Mm -hmm. that would genuinely and naturally happen otherwise Mm -hmm. by overthinking the situation and thinking five steps into the future, then while it might seem like in your rational, logical mind, this is Mm -hmm. a good thing to do, what if it's actually doing the exact opposite? Yeah. Then we have to ask ourselves, mm-hmm. okay, what is my system that's going to work for me? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that that honestly segues us into the soul because part of what you touch on there is embracing where you're at. Mm-hmm. Totally. That I think plays a huge role in, in dating and just overall in life. Sure. Yeah, embracing where you're at. There's another section in the book under mm-hmm. the own your soul section. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's a powerful one. Yeah. Why is it powerful? Because a lot of anxiety is created through shame mm-hmm. and it's created through self-doubt. Yeah. And shame and self-doubt sort of live in a place of not embracing where you are right now. Mm-hmm. Right? Shame that I should be somewhere else. I should be doing something else. I should have a certain thing or have reached a certain, you know, financial status or career, mm-hmm. um, you know, job title yeah. um, by this time. Embracing where you're at though is, is, is taking a different look at where we are in our lives. And we're saying, mm-hmm. you know what, this is where I am. This is where I am right now. If I want to change that, let's get clear on mm-hmm. what change looks like. Right, but the idea of I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I should have been here by now. I should have been here by now. I should, you know, own this home, or I should have this many kids and and you know a partner, Mm -hmm. and this is how my house should look. It doesn't do anything but create anxiety. Yeah. So, embracing where we're at is like a very deep way of self love. Mm -hmm. Right. We can talk about self love. Go get a massage. Do yoga. Meditate. Etc. Etc. Sure, that's all great. And those are mm-hmm. amazing, important parts of self-love. But maybe the deepest form of self-love is to actually just accept where you are and who you are. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, all of a sudden anxiety is way yeah. more manageable. And then you see, and this is this I can talk about from personal experience. Yeah. This is when we really start to love ourselves, when we can embrace where we're at mm-hmm. without apologies for where we're not. When was that for you? Um, let me put it this way. Okay. In hindsight, when I was like really in the zone with my business, my mm-hmm. old business, yeah, I was still trying to do like a very serious sort of focused job on attracting the right partner. Mm-hmm. Okay. I really thought that I wanted to find a partner, but I also knew that business was my top priority back then. Mm-hmm. Okay, I was in my mid-20s yeah. and I really cared about the business. And 
I was finding myself going in and out of relationships and they were never really healthy, like awesome, loving, yeah. inspiring relationships. They were, they were, they were generally a few months and mm-hmm. there was a lot of hot and cold, yeah. intense and then nothing. And looking back, I realized that I wasn't embracing where I was at. Mm-hmm. I didn't actually crave a true relationship back yeah. then. I, I was really about the business. Mm-hmm. Today, I'm 100% more focused on finding an amazing partner and having a relationship with her. And that's what I care about. Mm -hmm. But I can embrace that, right? That's truly where I'm at. And what does it mean to to know or to say that's where I'm at? It means that you're willing to shift your lifestyle and modify it and design it Mm -hmm. such that you can actually achieve and create the needed space to usher in the very thing that you were saying you are at, right? So if I'm like at a place where I could like have a truly amazing, meaningful relationship with a woman that might, you know, lead to marriage, then you better believe that part of my lifestyle needs to shift. But today I'm at a place where I'm down for that. Mm -hmm. Seven years ago, when I thought I was trying to find the right woman, I wasn't at that place. Mm -hmm. So it didn't work. And did you feel like you were shitting yourself then to like of that pressure that like you just should have a partner because you're in your mid twenties? Totally. I was, I was, I was putting a lot of pressure on myself Mm -hmm. while there was so much pressure on me in the business world that I was just basically heightening my anxiety in all aspects. Mm -hmm. In an attempt to self-soothe, but really self-sabotage. You got it. (laughs) So when I was trying to, you know, be a good relationship person, the shame was like, I should be working on my business. I should be working on my business. When mm-hmm. I was like really in the business, it was like, dude, you need you need a partner in your life. Come on, this is disgusting. All you do yeah. is work. Why don't you have a girlfriend? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. On and on and on, back and forth, cycle, cycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so embracing where you're at, and it's not just about a relationship. It could also mean, you know, if right now is the time for mm-hmm. you to focus on your career, and that's where you truly feel in alignment with then own that baby, go for it, right? Mm -hmm. Or if like health is a huge priority right now, Mm -hmm. right? Maybe you had a health scare, Mm -hmm. for example, or maybe, you know, you just feel like like something's up. I got to shift my health. If you can get behind that decision to embrace that your health needs to change, then you will do it with clarity and not shame for, what it is that you're giving up. Let me give a very, very relevant basic example. Yeah. A lot of people when they're younger, you know, in our generation, partying is like a big part of our social lives. You know, colleges perpetuate it, frats perpetuate it. Then we, we, we get out of school and it's like, you know, you still do it on the weekends and maybe even during the week here and there. Yep. But what happens to a lot of people, myself included, is that eventually you start to not want to live a life of partying anymore. Mm-hmm. But a lot of your closest friends are people that you bond with while partying. Yeah. Embracing where you're at in this circumstance, in this example, is to say, you know what? I may love Joe, Steve, and Bob, okay? <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, Margaret, Sarah, and Shannon. Shannon's my girl. <laughs> uh, hey, Shannon, what's up? Okay, and I may I may love these people. I am grateful mm-hmm. for the times that we had. I mean, they've been such fantastic experiences. Yeah. But 
who Taylor is going to be tomorrow mm-hmm. or next year or who Julian's going to be in five years from now just doesn't really connect anymore mm-hmm. with those peeps who I already forgot the fake names I made up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So what does that mean? So, so yeah. now imagine this. Let's, let's, let's go a step further. Okay. So imagine that I don't realize that – let me back up. Imagine I do realize – but I'm not willing to make the change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As I hang out with these people, I'm constantly going to have an inner dialogue totally. that is telling myself, you shouldn't be here. This yep. is not you. You're better than this. It's just mm-hmm. not you anymore. It doesn't mean you don't like them, but it's not what you like for yourself. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. That is me waking up to where I am, but not embracing where I am. Very two distinct things. Mm-hmm. And Waking when we, up. versus embracing, mm-hmm. when we can embrace where we are, that's when the room for clarity and the room for inner alignment and inner peace all comes into to play. And from that place, the anxiety goes from owning us to us owning it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was also a, a piece in, I don't remember if it was in the mind or if it was in the soul, but of like, saying goodbye to toxic relationships Mm -hmm. and relationships that like don't serve you. Totally. And yeah, I think that was a great example of just, I think a life transition point that almost everyone can relate to of kind of like outgrowing your friends and feeling like, like you're just on different paths and that that's okay. But Mm -hmm. of actually taking the step to acknowledge that and to um, really just embrace where you are, that that would definitely relieve a lot of anxiety and that all those little mini internal battles that take up so much energy when you are around those people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's beautiful when we can just get, get really clear and comfortable with, okay, I'm going to remove the toxic things from my life. Yeah. I'm going to embrace where I am. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing thing that happens. Yeah. So I want to ask you as we wrap up, if there's anything specific from the book or just a part of writing it that has been the most difficult for you to implement? Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Big question. Big question. (laughs) The most difficult for me to implement. Um, Of a way to like own your anxiety. Yeah, yeah, totally. I'm with you. Um, Let me think. That's a really good question. Yeah. I'm usually really not a fan of like the really big, like overarching questions that are like this one thing because I always get stumped on them. And sometimes people just really are like, oh, yeah, it was definitely this one thing. Yeah. Um, so I'll open it up to like maybe there was of the mind, body, soul categories. Maybe like if there's one of those sections that you felt like has been a lot more difficult to focus on for yourself or that you find yourself reflecting and focusing on a little bit more. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I got it. Okay. That's awesome. You just gave me a, a really very, very relevant real time thing. Okay. okay. So right now I'm on this sort of press tour, mm-hmm. right? And I'm, I'm meeting with all sorts of amazing people like yourself. Although yeah. I got to be honest, it's been one of my most fun experiences. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. <laughs> and you know, in this in this world of literally like mm-hmm. jet setting and, you know, a night in this hotel, a night in that hotel, mm-hmm. up at the crack of dawn for this morning show, yeah. you know, and then and then, you know, do this later that day and then hop on a plane right after that and then host mm-hmm. a meetup for for my fans. Like yeah. 
Honestly, the thing that is the most challenging for me is practicing, you know, many of the things in the book, which are really about self-care, mm-hmm. right? When you think about totally. it. Totally. So the, 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 the thing that I'm finding myself very challenged by, it's a healthy challenge though, mm-hmm. but it's something that I have to be aware of, yeah. is that I'm so passionate about service very. to the universe and I really want this book and this message to reach the masses. Mm -hmm. However, there is a finite amount of Mm -hmm. my energy that I can, you know, put out there into the world. Mm -hmm. So as I am being invited to go on more and more shows and whatnot right now, I need to be so hyper aware of what's my actual bandwidth. Yep. Right. So I'm getting to a place where it's like I have to say no to a couple of people Mm -hmm. and I don't want to say no because, you know, this sort of like short term part of me is like, no, you can do this. You can do this. You know, you'll just lose two hours of sleep that night. Not a big Mm -hmm. deal. But see, the more educated part of me, the more wise part of me, the, Mm -hmm. the same, the same Julian who 11 years ago would have said, yeah, fuck it. I'll have a Red Bull. Yeah. I'll do a couple lines. I'll Mm -hmm. do whatever I got to do. Three, four espressos in a day. Doubles. Yeah. Why not? I'll do what I have to do mm-hmm. to stay awake. See, that person is gone. I still know how to get there. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Once we live that life, we can go there the snap of our fingers. Yep. I can get that back right now. Mm-hmm. But I know that's not who I want to live as in this world anymore. Yeah. So the hardest part is to find the separation between, you know, and it's all coming from a good place. That's a thing. Usually mm-hmm. it's like a, a, a higher place and a lower place. No, this is all a good place. Yeah. But I need to constantly check in and say your energy is finite you know you can't do it all today mm-hmm. there will be more time kind of how we started our segment here yeah. you know about the athlete who's like totally you know yeah you could always get your cardio a little better you could always make your bicep a little bit stronger yeah. sure mm-hmm. but at the risk of what mm-hmm. so my biggest challenge right now is that I need to constantly, and I'm not even kidding, I constantly am referring to my own book to keep me on check, in check, as I go on this path across the US and Canada, Mm -hmm. right? And one thing I wanted to say about that, it's so interesting, when you're a creator and an artist Mm -hmm. and you put, you know, so much yourself into a body of work. Totally. And then you give it to your editorial team and your publishing team for them to do their thing. And then you look at it again. Mm -hmm. Honestly, sometimes it's like these words I just channeled. Yeah. Like I didn't even come up with them. Mm -hmm. I look at them and I'm like, I'm learning from my own book. You're like, whoa, (laughs) who wrote that? I'm like, I'm not like, oh my God, I need his autograph. (laughs) But I am like, wow. Wow, this is actually something that I forgot about. There's 99 tips in the book, right? The idea is that there's at least one for everybody. Mm -hmm. And even more so, there's at least one in each of the three sections for everybody. And even more so, there could be 99. But the pressure is not do them all. Mm -hmm. It's fine what works for you. It's a menu-style offering. So when I read my own book, I'm like, wow, I forgot about that. Mm -hmm. And then it's a reminder. (laughs) That's like, I mean, that's almost how I feel about like my journals. Like I'll go back and I'll reread some of them from, usually I'll do it on like anniversaries around like really critical and significant times in my life where I'll go back and I'll reread it and there will be something in there. Usually 
how I like to end all of my journals is on some kind of like a, you know, summary point and some kind of, um, in a way, something hopeful, something like encouraging for ending the note. And usually it's at the end of that, that I'll read something and then I'll be like, whoa, like shit Taylor you were really in it and like that's like I gotta remember that like I'm glad I wrote that down because now I can like hold myself accountable to that so I can on some level on a small level see where looking at your at your book like that has been really impactful for you it's the same idea journaling my book uh a musician with with a you know with a track Totally. Yeah, all these things, an artist, a sculptor, mm-hmm. all these things. It's it's yeah. it's it's a moment in time where we were at a certain place and then looking back yeah. and you know, it can it can bring us back there, but other times it's also like, wow, I really was an artist in that moment. Mm-hmm. I was channeling something bigger than me. Yeah. And now I'm learning from that. Mhm. It's wild. It's really wild when you think about it. I love it. Oh, this personal growth, personal reflection journey it's all it has so many ups and downs and can be so difficult at times and i think that so many of the points that you list in the book are really helpful for those periods of time but also just for when you're in maintenance and and focusing on that self-care um like you said i do feel like there is at least one point for every person and i think there are so many practical steps in it that you could literally do on a daily basis and you could literally focus on like one week focusing on that one step. Yeah. Yeah. It lasts you about a year and a half. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> totally. And yeah. and that actually was part of the intention. Mm-hmm. You know, as someone who's been in the personal growth space as a student for yeah. over half my life, I've learned that one of the biggest challenges is, you know, aside from the dedication and commitment, it's that when you get out of that book or you get out of that awesome Mm -hmm. conference you went to or that workshop where your tribe is, you then go back back to your ways Mm -hmm. and generally there is no tribe. It's the tribe of the less evolved you Mm. that waits. So when you want to make that positive change or keep that positive momentum going, it's really hard. Yeah. So what I realize is that we need the basics. The basics are what will keep us moving forward. Yep. Right? The basics become our day-to-day habits. Mm-hmm. And eventually the day-to-day habits just become our life. And then it's not like, oh man, this shit's exhausting. It's like, yeah. this is just how I live. The other thing would be exhausting because I would have a hangover, a stomach ache, be 50 pounds overweight, yeah. and you know, be flipping out at people all the time. Mm-hmm. That's way more exhausting. Very true. <laughs> Very true. So, so I wanted to give people the basics. And that's why the book's written like where each yeah. section is like one page or two pages. Mm-hmm. Just have the basics. Try and try the, try the, try the tools. Mm-hmm. If it works for you, great. If it doesn't work for you, that's okay too. Yeah. But then try the next one. Yeah. I, I'd be hard pressed though if someone was like, yeah, no, like this step just like doesn't work for me. There's 99. I think it would be, yeah, you're right. It would be impossible. I'm like. Yeah. You could benefit from all of that, <laughs> but but yeah, whatever. I know, but we your can't boat, say that really yeah. loudly, right? Because some people are like, it's yeah. too intimidating. I said it. 
You said it. I'm not going to edit it out. (laughs) Um, No, I I think it's fantastic. And I'm really happy that someone like you who is so invested and who is so passionate about this personal work is giving back in this way that I think will be very helpful for many, many people. Um, So if people do want to find you, where could they find you and where could they find the book? Yeah, thanks for asking. So the best bet would be my website, julianbrass.com. Uh, and specifically for the book, julianbrass.com slash book. Uh, and then on my Instagram, it's just at julianbrass. That is quite quite handy. <laughs> you know what? Getting the Julian Brass Instagram was not easy. Yeah. There's another Julian Brass out there. Oh, dang. And uh, I, had to, I had to buy it from him. Whoa, yeah. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. There's definitely a lot of Taylor Nolans out there, but I, I go with Tay Mocha because... Not because I'm brown. That's what most people think it's because of. But uh, Mocha was my first cat. <laughs> no way. Uh, yeah. Her name was Mocha Joe, And it was like my first email actually um, when I lived in the apartment, literally a block in front of me okay. in elementary school. Okay. And yeah, it was like we had a computer and my stepdad was like, what do you want your email to be? And I was like, what's going to be like my name and Mocha's name? <laughs> and so it gives me me and Mocha Joe. And so I was like, Tay Mocha. Love it. And so, yeah, it's just been like somewhat of a nickname slash like my email and then my MySpace and MySpace. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love, I love how, I love your, your Instagram period. Like it just <laughs> looks awesome. Really. You're doing great work. Thanks. So, so nice to be here. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Um, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your time in Seattle. And I'm really glad we got to do this. So thank you for being on the show. Yeah. Thank you. And thank everyone uh, who listened to this. I hope you guys got a lot from it. It's, mm-hmm. it's really my honor to be here. Yeah. All right. Well, that does it for today. Thank you again, Julian. And thank you guys for making it all the way through this episode. Um, If you haven't yet already, I would love, love, love to read a review from you guys. If you can head on over to iTunes after this and leave a star rating or just a review, a sentence or two, letting me know what you're liking about the show. Um, And we'll be back next week talking more things. I hope you guys took a lot away from this um, and check out the book in the episode notes to really just learn how to better deal with anxiety because we all deal with it on on some level so again thank you guys so much for your support of the podcast and i hope you guys have a wonderful week i'll talk to you next time this podcast is brought to you by wave podcast network check out all of our shows including the brain candy podcast i don't get it coffee convos and let's talk about it surgeons keep our hearts beating they do the amazing help save lives. And so can you. Your CSL Plasma donation can help create 24 critical life-saving medicines that can give grandpa the chance for his heart to swell when he meets his new grandson or give a bride the chance for her heart to skip a beat on her wedding day. Every plasma donation helps more than you know. Do the amazing. Help save lives. Donate today at your local CSL Plasma Center and be rewarded for your generosity.